0: Hey, thanks for saying hi to somebody and, uh, and grabbing a seat um, or finding your way back to your seat. Hopefully nobody took it from you. Uh, good morning. Hey, uh, my name's Tim. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here. I, uh, I, for Abby and I, we, we fully uh, like planned on and utilized our extra hour of sleep. Um, did you? Did you take advantage of that? Okay, so we, we like planned ahead. Um, and so kind of all day celebrated oh it's not really 4:30 it's 3:30 it's you know uh, and and did that and so we really like that and so uh, we've actually decided to we're gonna do that three times more this this next year over the next 12 months and so we, we're kind of make it a quarterly thing for us so we're gonna we're gonna take an extra hour uh, in our life every quarter and, and hope, hope that that works out um, so uh, if you I, Actually, that would be a great thing if we could we could implement that into our uh, something to vote for next tuesday I would I would vote for that that would that would be a thing I, I would get behind but um, hey we, uh, we had a really significant week in the life of our church uh, as a mosaic family last week, and uh, we turned fifteen years old in September. Uh, Great thing! I mean, just to be able to say, look at look at what God's done in the last 15 years, and look at who we are. And, and a part of turning 15 is we did a we did a health assessment. Uh, of us as a church, we, we hired an organization to come in and, and kind of look under the hood and take a, take a look and surveys and tons of interviews and then, last Sunday afternoon, they presented the results of that um, and so there 's one hundred and sixty five of us in this room uh, that were here for that We had another twenty kids that, you know, next door and, and, some, and some volunteers that were helping with them but um, so a lot of us showed up to, to kind of hear hear the results and um, it, was, it was really good. I, I shared last Sunday in our gatherings that if you go to a, a, a doctor's appointment where you're getting a thorough checkup, um, it's, it's, I think it's quite rare. It's never happened for me personally that you would go through uh, an appointment with a doctor where it's a thorough health checkup, and uh, the doctor concludes it by saying, you're in perfect health. Um, everyone should be like you. There's nothing wrong. Go off into your day and your week and your life and, and way to go. That It's typically, here's the things that you need to work on. Uh, and that's what we heard as a church. We heard a little bit of, "Hey, this is what's going well and what's great," um, and then here's a is a whole bunch of really important, significant things that that you need to know about to to work on that aren't aren't strong and aren't great, and that you you need to pay attention to. And so we want to do that. Um, there's been a ton of processing and conversations over the last week since we heard that. Um, and what I want to do this this morning is is kind of give us three words that i think god has for us in this season that are are taken from our experience through this through this health assessment. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, and, and uh, really I think one of the ways that God's providing for us, is that we've been in a series through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a book in, uh, toward the end of the New Testament, to the end of Scripture. And we've called this series the book of better things. Uh, and the reason for that is that throughout the book of Hebrews, the author repeatedly over and over in this in kind of cyclical comes and comes again and again and again is, is this message that Jesus is better than anyone and anything else. Uh, And we need to hear that um, all the time, but particularly there's the the chapter that we had kind of planned for this Sunday and next Sunday. There's really a lot that dovetails really well and complements what we heard uh, last Sunday in our all church meeting. And so um, I want to look at chapter 12 today together, um, but centered on these three words that I think God has for us. And so I want to invite you to pray and then then we'll head off into this together. Um, So would you pray with me? God, we're, we're here to, to meet with you and to worship you uh, and to pay attention to you and to hear from you. Um, and you are you are so good. Um, and you provide for us and you lead us as a church and you uh, sustain us. And uh, we want to be shaped by you more than, than anything else, anyone else. And um, we want to experience you together in this room right here this morning. We just simply start by acknowledging that, that you're here. Uh, that this is your time and, and your space, uh, and that we love you. And Holy Spirit, would you guide us as we're gathered here right now? Would you lead us as a church, and, and particularly lead us in, in this gathering in this moment right now? Would you be active, alive, and moving among us? Would you wake us up so that we can hear clearly that our brains would be turned on and focused and paying attention and ready to ready to, to receive that. That you'd soften our hearts so that, that you can comfort us or convict us or challenge us or or change our direction of where we're headed and what we're thinking and as you need to. Would you have your way with us in that way? And Jesus, this is, this is for you and all about you. And uh, as we've already sung this morning, that, that we want more of your life here, that those words of uh, as it is in heaven, uh, that your life... We want. We want to experience it personally. We want it in the lives of our friendships, our families, our church, our city, and our world. And so, uh, would you guide us and lead us and speak to us uh, this morning, right now, as we look to your word? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, here's here's the three words that, that, that kind of came through or resonated. And uh, they're the words love, uh, rest, and create. And, um, they, they came through and I want to kind of define what, what, what I think we're hearing in, in each three of these words, but, uh, but to love rest and create. And as we look through particularly chapter 12 of, of Hebrews, this comes out, I think, I think pretty clearly. So if you've got a Bible, find your way there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses, uh, I want, I want to start with, and it'll be up on the screen, but you can walk to the side and grab one. If you don't, if you don't have a Bible, it's in chapter 12, as we all know, follows chapter 11. Uh, what, what you may not know is that, that chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews is this kind of famous fantastic passage. And we're going out of order. So if you've been around and have been paying really close attention, um, we looked at chapter 10 a couple weeks ago. We're skipping 11. And the reason is, is we're saving it for two weeks from now. Two weeks from now is our Thanksgiving celebration uh, where we'll do a food offering and we try to fill the stage with food. And then we've got baptisms uh, available and several already planned, but it's just a, it's a great Sunday in the life of our church. And so we're going to look at at chapter 11 that day. Um, And what it does is it, it celebrates all those who have gone before us, not, not all, but many who, have gone before us um, in the story in God's story throughout Scripture of, of men and women who have been faithful to God and what that looked like in challenging times. And so it's it's called the Hall of Faith, kind of playing on words, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith. But chapter eleven is this list, it's beautiful list of men and women who have been faithful to God. And then it comes to chapter twelve and it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Um, we, we all understand, uh, if not, if not personally, tangibly, we understand conceptually the idea of training, uh, for a race of training and getting in shape and, and working out and the idea of, of lifting weights to, to make ourselves stronger and to build muscle and, uh, and then when you, when you actually do the thing that you're training for, you don't have those weights with you. Um, if you wear extra weight when you, when you run or exercise, when you actually do the thing that you're training for, you don't have those weights with you. That's a simple thing. And again, if you've never trained for anything, maybe you should, but um, you get it even conceptually if, you, if you've never done it personally. Um, but, but that's simply what the author of Hebrews is talking about, is when, when you step into your race, you let go of things that are going to hinder you for the race. That you let go of them. They're like extra burden and weight that you get off. And so he's talking specifically about sin or habits that, that don't serve you. But in, in in place of that, what you do is you fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at him. Be focused on him. Pay attention to him. Listen to him. Go after him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And as you do that, consider who he is and what he's done. Consider the last one. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. He's walked the race that, you've raised, that, you, that you're walking now, that you're running, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, that there's something about focusing on Jesus that, that actually steers us away from losing heart or being weary. So um, one of the things that is great about um, us as a church is our story we 've a, a great story if you don 't know it um, it 's so easy to tell and to remember we 're gathered right now in a, in a in a room in a building that none of us in this place built we didn 't build this. Somebody before us built this. There was a church here before us, and they went for a lot of years and then uh, as they were as they were dying and we were, were, were shrinking and, and at this critical juncture, they decided to close and to hand off their building to a small group of people that were getting ready to plant mosaic. Gifted the building and then looked at their bank account and said, we got a little money in our bank account. We're going to take our bank account and, and hand it to you as a new, new church. They gifted us this building. So, so when we as a church family started, we, we received this building as a gift. That's a great story. We felt so blessed by it. We are blessed by it. We're still blessed by it to this day, but it's also shaped who we are. And so as we looked into the future, we said, we want to be that same kind of of people, We want to be that same kind of church that, that blesses others, that doesn't try to hang on to everything ourselves and to, to grip tightly to it. And so as we as a church started with the vision to plant churches, we readily blessed and gave away resources, people. We didn't give away our building. We, we needed that. But we gave away virtually everything else that we possibly could give away because that's how we were treated. We wanted to, to look into the future and treat others that way. And so we planted six churches. That's fantastic. We have a great story. One of the things that we heard this week from these outside voices, this outside group and, and, and uh, ministry that came in and, and, and looked at us. And, and spent time uh, assessing uh, the surveys that, that I think 160 of us filled out. And they did a, interviews with 100 of us. And so got to know us pretty intimately as a church. And they said, here, we have a word for you. You have a great story. But we think, and we're hearing, that your story is beginning to define you your story is beginning to define you, that you're beginning to find your identity in your story. At first blush, that might sound like, well, yeah, it's a good story. I, I, we want that. That's that's good. But listen to those words again. It's beginning to define you. It's beginning to shape your identity. That's actually not good. We have a great story. But but it's not as great as something else. The words to us was, your, your story is beginning to define you. And we think you need to go back and be defined by Jesus above all. That our story, as great as it is, might be the thing that, that we cling to and look to and celebrate and tell. And so how do we begin to, to stop and ask the question, is it actually defining us more than Jesus is? That are we in danger of loving our story more than we love Jesus? When we talk to people who don't know our church or don't know our, our Savior... Do we end up talking more about our story than him? That's a legitimate, good, necessary question for us. Are we telling our story more than we're telling people about Jesus? Are we looking at it and focusing on it? That's that's a hard thing to hear. It feels to me like a hard thing to hear. Others have heard this before. I I want you to to listen to these words. Um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 say this. I know your deeds your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Some of the exact same language that we just read in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. This is a message from God to one of the early churches that we read in. In the book of Revelation. Good deeds. Hard work. You're going after it. You're persevering. You're enduring hardship. You're doing all these good things. And there's a lot of good in that. Verse 4 says this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You've forsaken the love that you've had at first that you've done these, these great things, that you've worked hard, you're endured hardship, you've persevered, you've done all these all these. Stuff, but, but you've lost the, the thing that's most important. Some of you have heard that verse before, or maybe you've heard it quoted before and didn't know exactly where it was, but to have it in the, the last book of the Bible in the book of Revelation to a, a church, and God is saying, you've lost your first love. I don't know that we've lost our first love, but we need to hear this today. And and we need to ask the question, is our story beginning to define us and become our identity more than the person of Jesus? We need to take that as a warning, as a call to, to return to Jesus. That, that it's so easy, and so many of us experience this, that, that we can work really hard and do really good things for Jesus, but we might not actually be doing it out of a love for Jesus or even with Jesus. And that would mean that we're off track in the worst way. And it doesn't appear like that on the outside. We know this is true because we can can read the first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and consistently hear Jesus himself talk to people that he knows who had in the past really good intentions but got off track somehow. We know them as Pharisees, and none of us like Pharisees, but some of us can relate to them and say, well, they, they had good intentions, they just got off track, and then Jesus showed up and they didn't even recognize him. And so he's calling them to repent and confess and change direction and come back to him and and seek him and be open to him and receive him and shape their lives around him. And so we need to hear that as a church. But more importantly than that, we don't need to hear it just as a church. Or maybe let me say it this way, we don't need to hear it first and foremost as church. I need to hear it and you need to hear it as individuals. Is there anything in our life, our story, our work, our vision, our passion, our goals that is becoming our identity is beginning to define us more than Jesus. Or let me say it this way. If we look back to that word, love, do we love Jesus above and before anyone and anything else? Do we believe the repeated message in the book of Hebrews over and over and over again, that Jesus is better than anything else, that he's better than anything else. And so we need to hear that and receive that as a church. That we can be busy doing some really good things. And I think we are. And I think we have been. But to stop and go. Do we love Jesus? Do we know Jesus? Are we with Jesus? Before anything else. And not ask that first and foremost as a church. But that we each and every single individual. Stops and and asks that question of, of ourselves. Do we love Jesus? More than anyone else. We got some encouragement on, on how to step into this. And here's this thing that I heard when I heard these, these words, is those of us that were here Sunday afternoon heard together, um, is when you hear that, there's a little bit of a shock to the system. Like, wait, what? We would place something above Jesus? That's not our heart. That's not our intention. We don't want to do that. So how do we, how do we course correct? How do we change? How do we feel God's redirection in that? And, and they had this really, really simple, maybe another word we could say for it is, is obvious encouragement. Uh, to take extended times of of worship and prayer. To take extended times of worship and prayer, and so we we want to do that. We want to receive that from them and say, great, let's figure out how to do that. And so we're in the process of 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 planning that and doing that as a church. And um, some of you hear that and you that resonates with you and you get that and you actually feel eager, like yes, we need that. We need to just be be with God and to to sing and to pray and to reflect and to listen and. Yes, we need that. Uh, others, others of you, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just fess up and put myself in this category. But I kind of wanted a, a, a list of things to do and to maybe, maybe, maybe read and execute and plan and and do all that, and, and that that will that will get us back to, to to loving Jesus above everything else. And and I just need to tell you, I, like I, I, heard what they said and I went, oh, I, I need that. I need that. I if I get busy doing something and trying to solve it on my own, I'm not gonna get course corrected. I'm not going to be redirected. I'm going to go in my own way. And so if some of us need something that might not feel natural or normal is to stop and pause and to just worship and pray together. We've been doing something for a number of uh, months now uh, as, a, as a church of on the first Tuesday of, of the month uh, that we've been calling ourselves to, to fast and pray. And some of you are doing it and some of you um, have heard that and said that's not for me or some of you have maybe not heard that and that's the first time you're hearing it. But on the first Tuesday of the month, I think we started maybe in May, I've uh, just wanted to set aside the first Tuesday and specifically lunch to, to fast and pray. So to not eat a meal which might sound shocking to you um, and to spend that time in prayer. And so um, we're going to continue to do that, that that's one of the ways that we can just listen and, and make some space for God and to each ask the question individually. Do I love Jesus above anyone and anyone, anything else? We've, we've opened up this room on Tuesdays, um, and, uh, and it will be this Tuesday. This, this coming Tuesday, two days from now, is the first Tuesday of November. Uh, so that room will be open from noon to 1. Um, one of our team will be in there just kind of helping to facilitate a simple time of, uh, of prayer uh, and reflection. And, and so you can do that. You can do it on your own. Uh, pick your own meal. Uh, pick your own time that you want to pray. But, but if we can do that together and set aside the first Tuesday of the month just to fast and pray. One of the really encouraging things that came out of this week, and it's it's been a really full week, um, or at least for me, it's been a really full week, and I appreciated the extra hour last night. Um, that was timely, um, but a lot of listening, a lot of reflecting, a lot of talking. Um, and one of the things that I heard from a, a life group was that on their own, they decided they're going to take next Sunday evening and and just open their home to a time of prayer uh, to anyone that wants to come and pray with that life group. Um, they initiate it. They're doing it. Uh, I'm sure other groups will, will do the same uh, at, at different times, but, but they just let us know this week, like, hey, we're going we're to do this, and you can, you can kind of get the word out, um, and uh, hopefully that we'll all fit in our house. And they got a pretty good-sized house. I, I think we'll be all right there. But next Sunday, we'll get the information out over the next week, either the e-news or website or some way. Um, but if you're interested in that, that's one group that's taking on that call to, in homes, begin praying uh, as a church. And so prayer and worship in this next season, uh, we're, we're talking about doing like uh, maybe a monthly gathering, uh, Sunday evenings, maybe, we don't know, but once a month that we'd, we'd come into this space and, and room and, and just worship and pray together. But really think that that's a, a, something that we want to put in our rhythm for this, this next season as a church. Um, again, coming back to to asking that question individually, do we love Jesus more? Am I centered on Jesus or is there other things in my life that are competing with Jesus? And then later on, ask that as a church of, of where we're at in that. So more to come on that, but that's just kind of an, an initial a step into that. second um, text I want to look at that leads us into our next word is, is later on in, in 12, starting in verse 5. And this section is about God's discipline. And it's a beautiful passage, and we don't have time to really thoroughly walk through all of it, but it's a great passage. Listen to these words, uh, chapter 12, verse 5. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship, listen to this, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I think we can all relate to that. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, hear this, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. There's there's a ton in that, and if if you're a if you're a parent um, and have kids, um, I hope that that's in, inspiring for you to do the hard and uncomfortable work of, of disciplining your children, and not doing any number of craziness that circles in our society today about who knows what makes two year olds feel really good and leaves out anything that would actually be for their good to actually discipline and train them in what's best for them to grow into adulthood and to be healthy and functional. This is what we hear in this passage. And there's so much in there again, we don't have time to fully get into it, but the concept, the idea, the reality that God disciplines us. Why? For our good, for a harvest it says, but most importantly, it's motivated by his love for us. That, that God loves us, and so doesn't leave us on our own, and doesn't leave us when we get off track to just wander on our own and find our own way back. But He actually steps in and helps redirect us. It says that hardship can be viewed as discipline. That He can help direct us and get us back. And there's this, this outpouring of of love and value that we we experience from God when He when He says I. I love you and for your good, I'm going to discipline you and bring you back. There's this other verse in, in Revelation that echoes these same these same ideas and it's it's actually a verse that came up in one of the interviews that the team did with, with one of the hundred of us that were were interviewed and, and it was a word that somebody said, hey, I think this is a word for Mosaic in this season. I, I don't know who it was and it was on the screen and during the meeting last week and, and it's this verse, chapter three, verses 19 and 20 of, of Revelation. Those whom I love... I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'll be with them. I'll spend time with them as family. I'll be present with them. Those I rebuke and discipline, I do so out of love. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. It's not the most comfortable words but I think we can all relate to and understand and, and feel that sense of God God loves us, and so he's, he's lovingly pulling us back in line. The word that, the second word that I think comes out of this for us that we need to hear as a church is the word rest, um, that we need to rest. And it, it, within that that, if I were to flush that out a little bit, the idea of recover and, and simplify. And there's this picture in the, in the Old Testament, and it's from the book of Leviticus. And um, whether you're familiar with the book of Leviticus or not, there's a, a whole lot of detail that, that, that comes in that Old Testament book where, where God is saying this is how to live and be uh, his people on this planet. And specifically, it's for people in the, in the land of Israel, in the promised land. And one of the things that, that is articulated in there and described in there is this concept that maybe you've heard of before, or maybe you haven't, but it's the concept of the year of Jubilee. And there's this fascinating picture painted and practice that is to be implemented called the Year of Jubilee, where it's it's like a the idea of rest or Sabbath on steroids. So it's like it's it's bigger and it's accentuated. And so and it has to do with specifically the land. And so the Year of Jubilee was something for not just the people but also for the land. And and what it came out is is the idea of of regular rest that we all need. The idea of a, of a weekly Sabbath of taking one day off to not work and to not try to earn money, but to, to actually trust God in that, that I'm not going to work, I'm going to rest, because you, you've created me in this way, and I need a regular rhythm of rest. But then for the, for the land, there was a sense of every seven years, there would be a, a, a season of rest. And then after seven sevens, or 49 years, there would be kind of a, a Sabbath on steroids, or a year of Jubilee. And this year of Jubilee is, is to be like the 50th year, and it's a whole year where where they live in a different way. And, and one of the things that happens is, at the 50th year, all prisoners and slaves go free. Which, that's a pretty wild concept. But freedom, freedom is to be a, a major theme of that year. Another one is, is forgiveness. There's just a forgiveness of debt. And so, it, for the nation, that they were to forgive one another's debts, if, if they had any towards one another at, at that time. And then, from that came this idea that God showed up in fresh and new ways. That his mercy was experienced relationally among the people in a new way because of that. And then specifically for the land. The year of Jubilee, what it meant for the land, and they would they would plant their own food and harvest their own food and and, and obviously they, they had to do that. But in the year of Jubilee there was no planting. Nobody planted anything in the year of Jubilee. Not only that, they didn't harvest anything. They stepped away from the land and they let it sit for a year. And here's what would happen. The soil would be rejuvenated. The soil itself would recover. That's fascinating. In the Bible, God directs his people on how to handle their land in a way that would be good for the long run. That Scientists say that today. We, people who know nothing about who God is and, and don't even know about the Bible or trust it in any way would say that that's necessary for our planet. It needs things like that. And here God is saying in Leviticus, have a year of jubilee where you don't plant and you don't sow. That you trust God and you allow him to provide for you. That you plan on it and you get up to it and then you let it sit. I think we need that as a church. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But when we hear some of the things that we heard over the past couple weeks through the health assessment, there's a sense of we need to, to rest and to be rejuvenated. I want to invite uh, Adam and Kim up here with me. And um, if you don't know Adam and Kim, they're uh, two pastors here at Mosaic and, and we lead together um, as, as lead team. And as we've been processing this um, this week, there's, there's some things that, um, that we kind of want to share together of what it means to, to recover and simplify, to have a year of, of rest or a season of rest
1: uh, as, we, as we move forward. Yeah, as we, as we think about this this next chapter and, and beginning with rest and defining rest, um, we, we first look at recovering uh, what's been depleted. And there was a, a quote from the uh, the team last week that came in to give us our health assessment that, that I, I kind of latched on to. And it says this, um, our discernment team has come to see that you need a season of rest, reflection, and refocusing. So as they came and they, they heard from you and they witnessed themselves, they said, "You're you're depleted. You're, you're in need of, of recovering um, what, what's been lost. And, and, and we're going to go through some factors of, of how we got to that point. Um, but one simple one is, is uh, the, the church planting efforts that we've had that have been great but also have been costly. Uh, before coming on to this team, I worked with Northwest Church Planting, um, resourcing planters in the, the Northwest region. And, and I can tell you, it is a beautiful and amazing and sacrificial thing for a church to plant a church in their lifespan. And over 15 years, God used us to plant six churches. And, and that's led us to a, a place of recovery. That's, that's one of the factors.
2: Yeah, it's interesting as you talk about that, Adam, and, then, and thinking about um, just the jubilee and the, and the soil recovering. But um, even even the word church plant, such a beautiful thing, right? A plant. But if you, you know, have been in classrooms where they teach American history at all, you've heard about the Dust Bowl where the where the land is overworked and stripped right it doesn't have chance to to nourish and heal and so just just think that's an interesting analogy all around. Um, one of the things that we we know that we heard, particularly through the interviews, thank you to the hundred people who came in and, and participated in those and shared what's going on and what they see and in their insights and their hearts and experiences. But one is um, we've experienced a lot of leadership transitions here for various reasons at Mosaic. So um, one of the beautiful things about being a church planting church and ascending church is that that we send people on. We support them. We've had church planters here who have been resident leaders and pastors here, and we've sent them and people from Mosaic. Um, we've had people who have moved. We had the opportunity to send Doug and Anya Holcomb to Kosovo to um, our church planting efforts over there. And, um, and then we just have people who have moved on for various reasons in, in, in their life as happens in the, in the life of a church and in the life of a family. And those, we feel those. Don't we feel those? Do you feel those? The, um, the, the phrase that they used, um, and they put it up on the screen at the very beginning, but uh, as a church family, we are tired and a bit sad. That was how they phrased it. We're tired and a bit sad. And one of the things about being a, a, a church where we have sent so many people and where we've had the transitions is that we feel them. We feel tired. We feel a bit sad. Um, the other thing that that came out in the interviews that was so interesting and um, I think really resonates with a lot of us is that we've, we've had friends who've gone with our, with the church plants and we miss them. People who were really leaned in serving here, serving in classes, serving on welcome team, leading groups. And, and they're now serving in churches around the city. And while, and while we're so grateful for that and why we've loved to send them, it's sad. It's also sad, right? We see Paul and Acts when he's leaving the church to go to Jerusalem. He, they weep together. They put their their arms around each other and they weep together. Um, this one, I feel I feel a lot myself personally, not just as a staff person, but just as a person in this community and a part of it. But my husband and I, you know, we feel called to Portland, and uh, we are here for all the beautiful challenges of of what it looks like to follow Jesus in this city. Uh, but but a lot of people have moved our city. We we tallied up. A bunch of them that we knew that have moved uh, to Boise, Spokane, Colorado, Oregon City, Vancouver, you know, are going to out to churches in those areas. And um, I, I feel that we raise our kids with people in this community and we and we delve in deep into friendship and we miss the people who've left. We've missed the people who've moved. Yeah, those are some of the ones that were came out.
0: Me next or you? That's you next. It is great. Good, thank you. <laughs> we had stools in the first gathering, and this is just a whole different experience now that we don't have stools and
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's the a couch. reason.
0: A couch, yeah. So I'm just feeling really thrown off. Hey, as Kim was talking too, I I think I I think I might have forgotten to say something, and so I'm just going to insert it now, um, if that's okay. If If you're new here, this might feel really odd. So the next thing is. Uh, <laughs> I think I was supposed to say that at the beginning and I, I, I skipped over it. So um, yeah, if you're, if you're like just popping your head into Mosaic for the first time or last week was your first week, I don't know. And, and you're just kind of feeling like you're still making your way in. Um, we're really glad that you're here. And um, yeah, this might just feel like, what wait what, what's, what are you, what's going on? Um, and so, and we're all right with that. But um, just want to acknowledge that that this might feel a little odd and different. Um, this is a really, really important um, season for us as a church, and we're really excited about where, where God's going to lead us. But um, feel like this is is really necessary and good work to do, and so we want to we want to share it with everyone. And so, um, welcome. We're really glad you're here. Um, I, I was next, right? Am I, am I doing that? Yes. Um, one of the things that. Uh, tired and a bit sad was was a is is that is a hard thing to hear. Um, uh, it's a reality check, and um, one of the things that they said uh, they they used a baseball analogy, which may be super helpful for you or or, or completely unhelpful. But um, they said, as a as a church, you. Um, that has has planted in your story for 15 years um, is is really great. It's almost like like most churches, like Adam said, don't don't plant churches, and you you've done that a number of times. And so it's kind of like you're a, a hall of fame church if you were to stop today. Um, and then it was like great, you know, kind of compliments are done, and here we go. Here's the here's the here's the hard things to hear, and and then spend a lot more time on that stuff. Which, but. But necessary. So, and one of the things I said as I went, walked through tired and a bit sad was, um, and as Kim, Kim mentioned, that loss of, of leaders. Um, but I, I want to, with you, acknowledge one thing that I, I can take personal responsibility for and, and need to. Um, and, and that one of the things that they identified, which was not new information, um, but that, that I've made some bad hires. I've hired staff that have not worked out well. Um, and that might sound really, really odd to say on a Sunday morning as we're the gathered church. But that's, that might sound like overly, I don't know, professional or something like that. And the reality is, is that we all give and we want to steward our resources as best as possible. We all give our time uh, and we want our efforts to, to be the best. And when we, we don't make the best decisions for those that are going to come and be on our staff team, it really costs us as a church and And we we lose ground in that, and we lose time and and resources and um, and so i've I've done that a number of times i again going back to, to baseball i don 't know what my batting percentage is, um, but it's not great um, and uh, and I wish that was different and and in fact, as i've reflected this week, I realized that I wish I was good at everything and uh, and i'm not and that 's one of the things that i 've not done well at and so um, One of the things that we're doing going forward is, is when we hire staff again, we're we'll have outside help and coaching and assistance to be be able to do that because because I don't do it well and we we've not done it well. We have some great staff that we that you know, and if you want to say I've been great hires, we we have some. Um, And then over our um, particularly, I don't know, maybe last uh, eight years or so, we've had not that's we've missed a few times, Um, and that's awkward and hard to talk about, um, and but it's also reality, and so. Um, that's also contributed to why we feel tired uh, and, and a bit sad.
1: Yeah, so what you're hearing are, are these factors that, um, that we heard from you and that we heard from the, the team that did the health assessment. And they're all contributing to being depleted and needing to restore and contributing to being tired and to being sad. Um, so scripture actually gives us a place to start with this. Um, if we continue in Hebrews um, in verse in chapter 12 verse 11 we, we just read about this unpleasant discipline that, that is actually a really good thing and then it, it says in verse 14 this is kind of the posture of our heart once we hear this discipline make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness no one will see the Lord see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many so just is reality in a, in a Place in a moment where we, we are experiencing some sadness and some tiredness, that, that we're leaning in to Jesus to strengthen and encourage our heart and, and removing bitterness and the, 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 the root of bitterness that, that seeks to grow um, as, as God is leading us in this time. Um, so, rest, it, it looks like restoring, um, and it also looks like simplifying. One of the things that we, we heard a lot of uh, last week. Um, was the, that our infrastructure is is overgrown and not simple and not very fruitful um, that it's that 's really kind of in need of pruning and that, uh, that that we have all this infrastructure in place it's it 's not actually helping people connect um, it 's not helping people find community or take next steps and that that we need to simplify it that we need to to prune it
2: yeah um, I love I love that verse that you just shared from Hebrews, Adam. And I think uh, one of the things that uh, was really great about how um, some of the results of the assessment and some of what the, what the organization saw in us as a church family is they said that we are actually really an emotionally healthy church. It does that feel good to hear? We're emotionally healthy, and I know that takes a lot. That takes everyone being active in that. One of the things they said that was so great is that we don't have a lot of infighting. So if you're, um, if you're, we have a really small amount. If you, if you're a person who comes from a family, (laughs) or if you've been in a church family for any length of time, you might have experienced infighting. It. It's something that happens when we're not all guardians of the health, of the emotional health. We're not all doing our part. And um, one of the things that we've had, we've had the incredible blessing of people like. Paul Rhodes and Morris Dirks and Dave Zollner who have sown that into our DNA years ago and we are still reaping the fruits of that as a church but we have an invitation during this season and we all need to accept it we need to accept the invitation to emotional health in this and to to hold that charge and to take it really seriously and some scripture here that um that speaks to that that I love and I want to share with you is from Colossians 3 and it says Oh, this is such a beautiful passage. Just get ready. (laughs) Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. That is a beautiful picture of a church that is is functioning in a really healthy way where everyone has ownership of what's happening. And I just, um, that doesn't happen without fighting for it. That doesn't happen without everybody taking responsibility and fighting for it. And so I just want to issue that kind of charge to our church today. Will you accept that? Will you have the conversations that you need to have with the right people? Will you go to the the person that, that maybe that you're bearing, that you're having trouble bearing something with? Would you forgive? Would you do the work? Would you incur the cost of forgiving people? Would you... Um, Would you fight for this in our church? Fight, fight for unity in our church.
0: Um, One of the things that, um, one of the things that we heard too was that for those that are serving and leading and involved, that their experience of being a part of Mosaic, um, they, they rated. They had these questions that, and then they kind of spit out this data and. Um, that we answered, you know, through our surveys and, and interviews and stuff, and they, and they said that for, for those that are serving and involved, their experience of of mosaic of belonging and feeling accepted was at eighty eight percent, which is really really high. And then it said for those that aren't, their experience of being belonging and being accepted was a nine, which is drastically low. That was that was shocking, um, and. And so we know that there are some of us that feel like it's at a nine that um, don't know how to connect or have tried and haven't been able to or don't feel seen or heard or listened to. And, um, and so I just want you to know that, that we want everyone not just to be at an 88. We'd like to hit a hundred. I don't know how we do that. But 88 um, but is a lot closer to 100 than, than 9%. And so um, that was one of the things that they revealed to us that was was pretty shocking and like, a, a warning sign of oh that's that's not who we want to be that's not who we're striving to be we're missing the mark on that and um,
2: and, and we've even heard that in people's responses this week mm-hmm. so we've had we've had people who have responded who've said yeah that really that really validated la- uh, some of the information from last week really validated my experience at mosaic and and what I've been feeling um, and then we had other people who who were like, this is really different than what I thought was happening. This is really different than the church that I know and see. And so we need to have a wide, you know, we need to, um, give, me, give me something. We, we need to have a way for us all to walk together in that, that we can, that we can be people who, who can bear with each other in that. We can say that that's your experience, this is your experience, but we're all, we're all here and we're all united and we're all going to fight for each other.
1: Yeah, and, and really from a leadership perspective, um, why we, we seek simplification is that that nine percent, like we, we want to serve everyone and make our infrastructure and our communication accept, accessible and simple for everyone. And uh, so one of the areas that, that this will affect this simplification will affect is um, in our connection to communities. I think with, uh, with really good intentions, we have sought to do a lot with communities. Um, and, and, and in seeking to do a lot, we have not done any of it very well. And so going forward over the next few months, um, we want to craft a version of communities that's, that's singular. There's one community, Mosaic Communities, um, that's, that's far more simple and accessible so that the people who find themselves in that 9% have clear pathways of what it means to be a part of this community and to identify um, as someone in this community. And, and so those are some of the themes of simplification um, that we're wanting to adopt.
0: Uh, I don't know if this is what, I think this is what you're trying to say, but as we have this differing experience and some are saying, yeah, I'm in the 9%, I don't, I don't know how to get in or feel connected. And then others are saying, wait, 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 what? That's been the opposite. One of the ways that we can be healthy is to allow both of those to be true. Um,
2: that is and, what I was trying to say. Thank
0: you. you. You're so welcome. It just took me an extra 90 seconds to get, so... Uh, but to not, to not be threatened by that or uncomfortable or, or seek to invalidate that or not or to convince somebody to feel other ways, but to, but to let those both be true and to care for each other in that way would be a huge sign of, of emotional health. And I, I think we can do that, and I think we're doing a decent job uh, of, of that already. One of the things for me that I shared um, at the end of the, the meeting on Sunday was that one of the, just the, the shockers for me was that that there are people that do not feel heard. Or listen to and um, and so if you weren't here I just want you to know that 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 was an absolute surprise to me and that's not that's not my heart that's not the, the heart of our leadership whether it be our staff or our board or, um, and so that we just we basically got exposed to a blind spot that there's something going on that we're not seeing uh, and so I just want to share that again with, with all of you uh, today that that uh, we we heard that we, we we see it, we're seeking to understand it and how to, how to change that and adjust that because uh, we certainly don't want that here. And, and part of that is going forward. And so as we, as we think about rest that, that, is, that allows us to recover and simplify in this next season um, and that idea of jubilee, of letting the land rest and re- rejuvenate itself, um, like what, what we read in Hebrews 12 just a few minutes ago, is that there's a, there's a harvest of righteousness and peace to come, that God's going to do something fruitful in the future if, if we stay in this season and listen to him and, um, and, and rest well. And part of that is one of the things that he wants to do in this season, actually, two things. One is um, there is a sense of urgency with this, um, and maybe I'm saying this more for myself, but, um, but maybe you need to hear it as well, is there's a sense of urgency in this, um, that is not anxious and is not apathetic. We don't need to respond in, in, out of anxiety and try to fix everything in the next 14 minutes and, and then be set. Um, and we also don't need to be intimidated or scared and then become apathetic and just kind of take a nap for the next 18 months. There's a middle road where we can be urgent and yet patient and rest. And we want to do the hard work of figuring out what that is of how to do that, do that well. We do know part of that is this third word of create. Create. Um, that we are, are stepping into a new season of life as a church. We've finished 15 years. We're looking to the next 15 years. One of the things that we heard loud and clear is that your story's beginning to define you. Go back and love Jesus above all else, but then step into a season of creating a new story. And so we, we get to do that together. We get to create a new story together. We get to write our next story together. Not on our own. God's going to guide us and lead us through this. But we do have some some tracks to run on on how to do that. And so they recommended getting about a dozen people together from our church. A dozen people to help discern and guide that process with help from the outside. And then to have meetings where everyone gets to participate and to speak into it. And do the hard work of listening to everyone and then stepping away and discerning. What's the vision for our future? what's next we've got a great story and we can look back and say this is so good we want to prioritize and love jesus above anyone and anything else and then we want to hear what his story for us is in the future and find that really clearly over the next season and then and then go after it and not just work hard and do good deeds and and endure but to love Jesus really well so that he guides us into what's next for us as a church. So we get to do that. Uh, we don't know what we're going to call that process, um, but we're going to spend November and December kind of figuring out how to do that. And then probably starting in January, we'll get to start and lean in and do that together as a church. When a church is planted and there's not one that exists, and then all of a sudden it comes into existence, it's birthed, it's planted. Um, there's usually uh, a, an individual or a few key individuals that get together into certain God's vision. For the church, and that's true of our story. There was a small group of people that had a vision at the beginning, but now we're not a small group of people anymore. Um, We're 15 years old, and we can do this together. uh, And we get to create and discern this together, and that's that's going to be wonderful and so necessary for us. Um, Thank you. Um, This this took longer than anticipated, um, and we thought that it would be really valuable and necessary to do uh, today. Um, we're working on, we had a little glitch with the podcast uh, from the meeting, uh, but we want to make that available. So we're trying to, trying to fix the recording so that we can present the whole, the whole thing um, and the, the slides and all that. And so that's, that's coming um, soon. That'll all will be available. Um, and then they're sending another report uh, in the next couple weeks as well. Um, as we look forward, we believe that God's calling us to love Jesus first and foremost, to rest in a way that allows us to recover and simplify. And to begin creating our new story together. So here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to worship and come to the table together. Um, but I want to I want to invite you to pray with me, and then Phil and the team are, are going to lead us in, into a time of worship. So would you would you pray uh, with me again together? Jesus, to to any degree that we've put something in competition to you, um, would you reveal that to us? We we don't want to do that as men and women who are seeking to to love you and to walk with you uh, in this time, in this moment, in this city, uh, in this world today, that we don't want anything to compete with you. And so gently, graciously, clearly, discipline us where we're off so that we can come back to you and have you be our first love, our only love, the center of our life and our identity, our hope, that your good news and your life defines us in every way possible. Jesus, help us to rest in this next season and guide us as we get to create the story that you want for us in our future. As we worship you now, would you be pleased and delight in the presence of your people here?